0: Picture a family fractured by deep-seated grudges, a betrayal cutting through trust, and the burden of guilt from past mistakes. In this episode of Groundwork, we explore the transformative power of forgiveness. Join us as we unravel the profound impact forgiveness wields within families, its ability to heal betrayal's wounds, and the life-changing relief it offers for unresolved guilt. Discover how forgiveness, an echo of God's grace, holds the key for restoring relationships, releasing burdens, and fostering personal well-being. Stay tuned as we navigate the intricate tapestry of forgiveness, revealing God's liberating strength in our lives, coming up today on Groundwork. And welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are in the sixth, the final episode of our series on Christian virtues. We've covered compassion, humility, gratitude, generosity, and truthfulness. And today we're going to jump into forgiveness. Sometimes we don't think of forgiveness as a virtue. We think of it as a practice, a discipline.
1: It is listed as a virtue in the sense that you want to be a forgiving person. It needs to be part of your character. So all of these virtues that we've looked at in this series go to your character. And forgiveness goes to our character too, Daryl. because we want to be forgiving people. We want forgiveness and the willingness to forgive, at least, to be our default setting all the time. We want to be known as as a gracious person who doesn't hold onto grudges, but who lets things go. Now, I've told this story before. President Franklin D. Roosevelt had this uh, kind of a strange man, kind of a a personal assistant known as Louis Howe, and Louis Howe never let anything drop. So one time, he and Eleanor Roosevelt were at a party, and somebody came up and said hello, and Louis Howe was cruel to that person and mean, and after he walked away, Eleanor said, why were you so cruel? And he said, well, because 18 years ago, he said something really nasty about Franklin. Oh, goodness. Eleanor says, I forgot all about that. Lewis said, I never forget. We don't want to be people that are just full of grudges and then chip on our shoulders. We want to be known as
0: forgiving And forgiveness is pivotal for us as Christians because it's not just an action. Like you said, it is a disposition and it reflects God's grace in our lives. It is the conscious decision to pardon those who have wronged us. And when we do that, we mirror God's forgiveness. It's a decision that we make. It's not ignoring the problem. And we'll get into those things later. But right now, you need to know that it is basically a decision that we make. And it's very crucial in the lives of Christians.
1: I think we've quoted before a line from theologian Neil Pleininga, forgiveness is letting drop an anger you have a right to feel, right? So forgiveness doesn't come in for just little tiny things like somebody stepped on your toe by mistake or something. No, you you genuinely have a right to be upset and angry. But as you just said, Daryl, with the help and the prompting of the Holy Spirit, you make a conscious decision to drop it. That is what the main uh, verb in Greek, aphesis, in the New Testament, forgiveness, literally means to release. Literally, it means drop it. You have a right to feel anger, but you're going to drop it for the good of all.
0: And it reflects God's character, as we see here in Colossians chapter 3, when it talks about forgiveness, it says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. The essence of the forgiveness is the basis coming from God forgiving us. Because he forgave us, we are able to forgive others. Forgive as the Lord forgave you,
1: Paul wrote in Colossians 3. Reminds me of uh, the Lord's Prayer, which we did a series on on Groundwork a while back. But we know in Matthew 6, when Jesus teaches the Lord's Prayer, that kicker line in verse 12, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And that little word, as, it's also just two letters in Greek. That packs a wallop because we're saying... God, forgive my sins as I forgive other people's sins. In other words, we need to show God that we get it. God has forgiven us, so we go and do likewise for people. We have sinned grievously against God. Others sin against us, probably not in as grievous ways as uh, we have sinned against God. So if we want God to forgive us, we have to forgive others. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. There's a lot
0: of power in that little as, that
1: little two-letter word.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like Jesus's fine print, because, I mean, I think of it as an equal sign. If Mm -hmm. we forgive this way, then it equals the way God is forgiving us. And if we don't forgive in this way, then it equals the way God will not forgive us. And so I pray that we strive to live in forgiveness and remember that God is the one who enables us to actually do the forgiving. So It's like this, Scott, we freely receive the forgiveness and therefore we freely give the forgiveness. And that is there's no exception there. It could be complicated, but definitely the reason why we can do it, even the power to have forgiveness comes from God's ability to forgive us. Exactly.
1: It's sort of what Jesus is saying, what Paul was saying in Colossians 3. This is sort of the family style of God. Forgiveness is the family way, right? If you're a member of this family, This is how you act. And as I said a minute ago, we show that we get it. You know, later in Matthew, Jesus tells that parable of the unmerciful servant. He owed the king like a million dollars. And the king said, tell you what, I'm going to erase your debt. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Goes out, runs into a guy who owes him five bucks, says pay up or, or I'm throwing you in jail. The guy can't pay up, throws him in jail. King gets word of it, calls the guy back, said, I forgave you a million bucks. And you turn around and put somebody in jail for five bucks? I'm putting you in jail, right? right. You don't get it. You're supposed to do for others what I just did for you.
0: That's the family style of God. It's forgiveness. I can't even imagine it fit in my mouth to say that it's easy to do because it's mm-hmm. not easy to do. It can be very challenging. It requires humility and empathy. and uh, It also is something that literally can transform you because it can free you from resentment or anger. And it helps you to foster reconciliation between you and another person. It could bring healing if you actually forgive them, even though it's very challenging, especially when we've been hurt.
1: Lewis uh, Smead said in one of his books on the art of forgiveness, when you forgive someone who has hurt you, you set two prisoners free, the other person and yourself, right? Because when we are people of resentment, like that Lewis Howe that I talked about from Franklin Roosevelt, when we're people like that, we're trapped too. You know, we're stuck. We're imprisoned by our own grievances, our own grudges. It, is, it bends us into a pretzel. So when you forgive someone else... You set two prisoners free. You let the other person off the hook. You're letting yourself off the hook, too. That shouldn't be the primary motivation that we forgive just, you know, for self-therapy. But it is true. It, It benefits us, too, and all of
0: our relationships. So why is forgiveness a Christian virtue? I think the reason why is because it mirrors God's nature. It reflects Christ's teachings and it fosters the healing and reconciliation that God desires for us and for our relationships. Mm -hmm. And that is exactly what we need. I think that it will, like you said, it will set us free. And I pray that we actually live into what that means so that we're not prisoners as well. But lots more to say as we dive deeper into practical ways to live
1: out forgiveness, to embody forgiveness. So stay tuned.
0: The book of Revelation is a fitting conclusion to the Bible. It's filled with word pictures we may find surprising or even frightening. But these apocalyptic scenes tell the story of Jesus' victory over the forces of evil and are meant to encourage believers. This February, Today presents a devotional series focused on the hope we have in the risen Jesus, as shown in the seven letters of Revelation. Join Today in February for a series of devotions on the seven letters to the church. Refresh, refocus, and renew at todaydevotional.com. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork, and today we're exploring the Christian virtue of forgiveness. And- Now, Scott, let's jump right back into Scripture here with a verse from Matthew 18 that talks about forgiveness.
1: Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Uh, Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy times seven times, or some version, 70 times, 70 times. You know, in other words, Peter's saying, um, what's the clock? What's the tote board? How many times do I have to forgive somebody before I don't have to forgive them anymore? When does forgiveness of someone else stop, Peter says? Jesus says, basically, it doesn't stop. It never ends.
0: And so Jesus is showing him, it's not a math problem, Peter. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. don't get to do it 490 times and be done. But if you perfectly and completely forgive a person, then you will be releasing them every time they transgress against you. And that actually shows the character of God who when we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us like we talked about in the last episode that we confess we're forgiven by God. Therefore, if people confess to us, we forgive them
1: exactly. You know what Jesus could have said to Peter, and in, in, in essence, he did. You know, so Peter says, "When do I hit full? When, when am I done forgiving other people?" Uh, Seven times. You know, what Jesus could have said is, "Well, Peter, when do you want God to be done forgiving you? Uh, <laughs> do, do you want God to put a limit on forgiveness?" Oh, well, Jesus, if you put it that way, never mind. <laughs> in that. other words, you know, it's an unfortunate truth that we are never done forgiving because other people and we ourselves are never done hurting each other, right? That's an unfortunate fact of life, Daryl. We can never be done with forgiveness because we're never going to be done with hurting others and getting hurt ourselves. That's not a pleasant fact, but it is true. But again, it's the same with God. He's never going to be done forgiving us because we're never done sinning. We try, we're justified, we're in the process of sanctification, but as we live between what we call the already and the not yet, the kingdom that has begun to break in and the full in-breaking of the kingdom, until that happens, God's never going to be done forgiving us. So we never are going to be done forgiving one another either. It's not a pleasant reality, but it is the
0: truth. And what I like about that truth is that God reflects his endless mercy towards us. If we think about Ephesians 2, it says that we are saved by grace through faith and that is a gift of God not by works so no one can boast so it's a gift not only to receive the faith to believe in him but it's also a gift that he would who is rich in mercy pardon us because we were definitely sinners and still dead in our transgressions so we see in scripture that God gives a gift of forgiveness to people who don't earn it and don't deserve it at all and so if we're going to model that character of forgiveness we also also, give to one another the gift that they don't earn and they don't deserve and if we think of it that way it could be easier to bestow the gift of forgiveness on people even if you're rightfully justified in your sin or your frustration that's hurt you or broken your heart you can still give them that gift.
1: A little later in Ephesians 4:32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. And there's that little word as again, just as. It's, that's the connection all through the New Testament in the Lord's Prayer, in Colossians, in Ephesians, in all of the New Testament. Why do I have to forgive you if you hurt me, Daryl? Because God forgave me, right? Why do I have to forgive? Because God me. God forgave me. Just as, just as, just as God forgave you, forgive one another. It shows the character of God, Daryl, as you said earlier. But, you know, practically speaking, let's just admit that there are situations in life where forgiveness is very, very hard, very, very difficult. And even some people who genuinely want to forgive another person, it takes time sometimes a long time. Uh, and there are other circumstances too, Daryl, that make this difficult, right? Again, to go back to Lou Smead's and his book on the art of forgiveness, you know, Smead says there are cert- certain things that complicate our ability to forgive. One is when people refuse to acknowledge they did anything wrong, when they're unrepentant, when they won't confess, they won't even acknowledge what they did. That makes it pretty hard to forgive them, right? right. I mean, somebody comes and sobs and cries and says, I'm so sorry. Well, that's a whole lot easier to forgive. But when they say, I'm not going to apologize to you, I didn't do anything wrong, that's hard. It's also hard to forgive people who die on you before you get a chance to forgive them. So the impenitent and those who have passed away, those are just a couple things that complicate forgiveness, but as does the depth of the hurt, right? When people are victims of sexual abuse, sexual abuse by a parent, that's difficult, and we shouldn't say to anybody,
0: "Well, you have to let that go. It's fine. Just, just you know, uh, it's hard. It takes time. It definitely takes time. And I don't want people to hear that we think it's easy, or that you know, it means you're excusing all of those things. It doesn't mean that. It just means that you're deliberately choosing to release the debt that they owe to you. Um, and it starts with a change in perspective. If we can view the person who did wrong to us with empathy, is really hard for you to curse them or be frustrated with them if you're praying for them or if you're asking God to give you the help to humanize them in some way, it doesn't always mean that you'll reconcile with them and go back to the way things work.
1: Right. Forgive and forget, we sometimes say, but sometimes you can't forget. And there's really, as C.S. Lewis wrote, there's really no contradiction between forgiving someone for a crime and supporting the court that sends them to jail right? There are consequences for certain actions. So I can forgive the perpetrator and support they're going to jail at the same time. Forgiveness doesn't mean that the criminal justice system goes offline and says, oh, well, it doesn't matter. If you've forgiven them, then, you know, the fact that he robbed your house doesn't matter. Go and be free. Now, you know, there can still be consequences even when we genuinely forgive someone. And as you just said, Daryl, we can forgive someone even if it was an abusive relationship, for instance, a marriage, let's say, that ends in divorce. Maybe a spouse can forgive the abuser, but that doesn't mean you get remarried and go right back into the same
0: situation. Again, these are real-life complications of forgiveness. So it also aligns us with God's heart. When we forgive, we reflect the love and mercy that God has for us, and we foster an environment of healing and reconciliation. But as we close out the program, we want to talk about some practical steps towards forgiveness and how to navigate those complexities. So stay tuned. glad you've joined our Groundwork conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible.
1: You're listening to Groundwork,
0: where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we have been talking about the virtue of forgiveness and understanding that it is not simple to do that, even though it is required of us as believers. So I want to circle back to Matthew 6. You talked about the Lord's Prayer Mm -hmm. and in 6.14, Jesus says, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. I think it was so important to Jesus. He knew that we would have challenges with this particular part in his divine wisdom. He circled back to this after the Lord's Prayer, because he knew that forgiveness would be challenging for believers.
1: It is. It's not easy. But the point is, we try. We want to be forgiving. We want this to be our default setting. We want to be known as people of grace, gracious people, right? Because that's who God is, and that's how he has dealt with us. Again, that desire, as we were just saying at the end of the last part of this program, that desire, that default setting, even so doesn't always make forgiveness a cinch, right? Mm -hmm. It's not a slam dunk all the time. It takes work. It is hard. It might involve a longer-term process of reconciliation. But the point is, we work toward it. We don't just say, I don't even want to. I don't even want to forgive that person. I'm not even ever, ever going to try. Mm -mm, Nope. We don't want to be that kind of person. So being defined by forgiveness, aligning ourselves with God, knowing that God has forgiven us, inclines us to be people of forgiveness, even though it's often a process. But the other option is that we are people of unforgiveness, right? And that makes us often very
0: unpleasant people. (laughs) Um, It has been said, and I don't know who said it, but they said unforgiveness is like the bitter cup of poison that you drink thinking other folks will die. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, unforgiveness is one thing that could make you a bitter person because you're holding on to that toxic stuff, you're holding on to that grudge, and it's really changing your demeanor. It's literally one of the things that Ephesians 4 tells us to get rid of is in 431 it says this get rid of all bitterness rage and anger brawling and slander along with every form of malice and so that's right before we're told to forgive he goes into bitterness first because mm. he knows bitterness can actually block us from giving the forgiveness that we need to one another. Clint Eastwood made
1: a movie some years ago called Unforgiven, and it was about this gunslinger in the Old West who, indeed, would never forgive anybody. What did he do instead? He killed them. In that movie, he literally killed people that he refused to forgive. But, you know, in a metaphorical way, we do that. When we don't forgive somebody, when we make what they did that defining moment for the everything else in their life, we're kind of killing them. We're consigning them to kind of a living death. We're saying, I'm never going to look at you in any way other than with bitterness and rage and malice, those things Paul just said in Ephesians 4 to get rid
0: of. And again, it makes us very, very unpleasant people to be around. And we actually kill ourselves in a way, too, because we're fixated and we're stuck in that moment, and that whole moment defines us. But when we choose to forgive people, it sets us free from that, and we can live in the dynamic life and abundant life that Christ has called us to. I'll give you an example from my own life. Um, This is very personal to me. My mother has struggled with substance abuse and addiction for most of my life, and uh, when she struggled with substance abuse when I was a kid, her addiction literally tore our family apart. And it was very painful, Um, and I began to become bitter. I started responding to her in in very snappy and disrespectful ways, and she didn't like it, and we were getting into verbal altercations, but then my grandmother, she's very wise. I told her how I felt, and she said, would you go to her and explain to her how you feel? And I said, what if she doesn't listen, this and that? She said, trust me, you want to tell her how you feel. It's going to help you to tell her how you feel. So when I told my mother how I felt and how painful it was for me, she owned it. She confessed it She asked me for forgiveness And I was able to forgive her Because she acknowledged what she had done And now she's in recovery And we have a healthier relationship Because God is good And because he's faithful We have a healthier relationship But it started with us having that hard talk And sometimes you'll have to have that hard talk And confront someone But then you can give them that forgiveness And set yourself free as well So I thank God that that happened in our family It changed the way we relate to one another
1: and I'm also very thankful for that because, Gerald, you and I both know people, probably everybody listening to this knows some people who haven't talked to their mother or father in 20 years. Why? Because they can't forgive them for something, whatever. You know, I mean, the, the relationship is completely, irretrievably broken. You know, another uh, uh, aspect of forgiveness that we should talk about briefly is that sometimes one of the hardest persons to forgive is yourself, <laughs> Oh yeah. right? When I mess up, when I make a mistake, I find myself coming back to it's like, why did I do that? Why did I say that? I'm such an idiot. What? you know? Forgiving yourself sometimes is a pretty big challenge as well. If we really believe that, well, God forgave me for messing up, maybe I can let myself off the hook too. But as we, we close out, Daryl, let's think about, again, just some more practical steps. And let's admit that uh, one practical thing that we do on the road to forgiveness is that we pray for God to help us.
0: So whether you're struggling to forgive someone who did something to you or didn't do something you thought they would do, or if you're struggling with forgiving yourself for your shortcomings, prayer is one of the ways that you can get there because you literally can ask God. I mean, the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So this way of struggling with forgiveness with people is a way that you would need to acknowledge God in and say, God, I need your help. Could you help me? Could you give me the ability to... To forgive this person I don't think I have it in me I don't think I can do it but please help me give me your divine ability and power to give them the grace that I so freely enjoy each and every day and if you start prayers like that I think that God can start working on your heart
1: and in our prayers too we can also another thing we can do is engage in some self-reflection you know I'm broken too so, you know, I'm a fellow broken person along with the person who hurt me. You know, we see this in Psalm 139. So Psalm 139 is this beautiful psalm. But then uh, also near the end, starting in verse 19, the, the psalmist just goes on a rant against his enemies. And, oh, God, you know, slay the wicked. Do I not hate those? You know, just go get them, God. And then as you get to verse 23, it's like the psalmist stops mm-hmm. and he sighs. He takes a deep breath. And then he says, Phew, okay. Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. In other words, I'm going to stop getting all hot and bothered by my adversaries. God, straighten me out. Uh, I mess up too. So show me my flaws and then forgive me and let that be a go to help me forgive others as well.
0: That's a beautiful thing. And I think also it's important for us to recognize that forgiveness is a process. It may take weeks, months, or even years for you to actually work through the process of forgiving the person for something they had done. So don't be upset with yourself if you feel, I should be over this by now. I should be done with this. Because forgiveness, like grief, has a process to go through. And let's be patient with that process.
1: And let's deal gently with those who genuinely struggle. We can't always know the depths of another person's pain. We mentioned abuse earlier, physical abuse, psychological abuse, sexual abuse, that pain runs deep, and none of us who are not experiencing that pain ourselves should put ourselves in the position to say to such a victim of abuse, oh, just let it drop, you know, just forgive them, just forgive them. Now, I mean, yeah, they do ultimately need to forgive them, except the fact that it is a process and that it can take years, and don't try to dictate other people how they ought to feel or how quickly they should forgive.
0: And as we close this program, we want to remember forgiveness isn't easy and neither are these other virtues of compassion, humility, gratitude, generosity, truthfulness, and forgiveness. But God can give us the grace to do that. And we thank him for that. So thanks be to God.
1: Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your hosts, Scott Jose and Daryl Delaney. And we hope you'll join us again next time as we continue to dig deeply into Scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. Connect with us at groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork.
0: Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dave Morris, and our post-production supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Gordon Jacob.